Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 22, how Abraham was on a journey to Mount Moriah and how we're on a journey to heaven as well. But it's not the land that Abraham needed or the destination that we're going, but what we really need is God more than the place. Is that the right? This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and also available on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. As we've been mentioning, that Tom Cantor is our Bible teacher, pastor, author, and also a scientist and CEO, as well as the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum. And as such, he's offering this month two resources available to you a DVD tour of the Creation Museum, as well as a Six Days of Creation with leading scientists and Bible teachers, including Tom Cantor. We can send that to you, as well as a book on the Ice Age and the Flood. These two resources are yours for a donation of $20 or more this month only on the Friendship with God radio program for your support, which helps keeps us broadcasting on this station in your city. Call us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information. Now here's Tom Cantor today in our teaching. Turn, if you would, in, uh, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22 as we continue study this about wonderful passage about Abraham. Let's look to God. Father, thank you so much for being the God of Abraham and for being our God. And this morning, Lord, we pray that we, as your children, might learn from you, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we are, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went, both of them together." And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, we saw here as we were studying, and particularly last time in verse 2, where God said, And take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. So what we looked at, when we looked at in our last study, we focused in on that very important second verse there in this chapter, because that was really a verse that we saw God calling to Abraham. And as he called to Abraham and went through this description here of Isaac, it was really a call to Abraham. Of course, it was a call to him to offer his son. But more than that, before Abraham could offer him his son, he had to totally surrender to God. So what verse 2 really represents is God's call to Abraham for a total surrender to God. And in verse 2, we can see that God's calling Abraham to really this new level, this next step 
in his devotion to God. It was a new level for Abraham in his life with God. He's calling him now to this new level of absolute, unconditional surrender to God. For Abraham, it was his son, his only son, the son whom he loved. And that was that he, what he held, the, the son Isaac, is what he held on to. You can imagine this, the dearest that he had here on earth. So when Abraham's calling, uh, when God is calling Abraham to surrender Isaac, he's really calling Abraham to surrender to this total, total this new level, to this everything that he holds dear on earth. He removed, and God removed all doubt as to who he was calling Abraham to surrender. And we saw in our last study that the Hebrew in verse 2, it's remarkable how, when you read it because it's, it, it comes across the way the Hebrew reads is, is, is that you can almost feel Abraham as God introduces this subject to him about sacrificing his son, that, it, that with each of it, Abraham, is, you could feel him say, oh no, not him, not that, not, you could feel, and yet God is directing Abraham to Isaac, to the burnt offerings. It's the repeated use of this Hebrew word et in verse two that paints for us the picture like with each use that God uses of that word et, it's like God is turning, you know, everyone wants to look this way and God's turning his face to look again at Isaac. So the first use of this word et, we can see the hand of God just moving Abraham's face to look again on Isaac. And, and he said, et bincha, and that son of yours. He says, that son of yours. And so, so Abraham's like, oh no, I don't want to look. And God says, no, et bincha, that son of yours. And when Abraham hears that son of yours, we can see Abraham, he wants to turn his face away and God points it back. And then the second use of that word et, we can see again God's hand moving Abraham's face back as he said, as Abraham's turning back and he says, no, et yechidha. He says, that your only one of yours, your only one of yours, ha is an, an asher, uh, et yechidha asher, in other words, he's saying here there's a double emphasis for Isaac on Abraham's, that in Abraham hears, that you're only one of yours. So, and we can see that when, when God says that, he says, you know, he says, at first he says, that, that son of yours, and he turns to David and he says, no, that yours, that you're only one of yours. Oh no, Abraham would say, oh no, not my only one of mine. He might say, then God comes with the third, et, here. And we can see again God moving his face back. And he said, et, Yitzhak. He says, he says, that Isaac, that Isaac. So with all these ets that are going, all these dats, we can see a clear progression here as Abraham is being brought by God to bring him to this new level, this new step of this absolute surrender of everything to God. And then God reveals to Abraham that he knew, God knew how much this was going to cost Abraham. He knew. And and because in the next statement, God identifies Isaac as the one whom thou lovest. And he's been looking at Abraham. When we read this about God, we can see the good God of Abraham has been looking at Abraham and he sees in Abraham this special love that Abraham has for Isaac. The love that Abraham had for Isaac was absolutely remarkable. It was unique. We, when we think of all the relationships that we studied so far in the book of Genesis, none of those relationships, none of them, was ever described by the word love. None of them. 
The word love was never used to describe the relationship between Adam and Eve. We hope they loved each other. Sometimes we doubt it when we read in, in, in chapter 3, but it, but it never was there. And the, and the word love was never used. Then It was never used for either Adam or Eve for Abel. For Abel. It was never used. The word love was never used to describe the relationship between Adam and Eve and Seth. It's easy to understand why Cain wasn't involved, but anyway. And, 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 it, was, and it was never used. The word, the word love was never used to describe the relationship between Noah and his wife, or the relationship, even relationship between Sarah and Abraham. The word love is never used. It's never been used. The word love was never used for, to describe the relationship of Lot and his wife. So we see all these relationships so far in our study of the book of Genesis, and we never see the word love that's there. This is now the first time in, in, in Genesis that this word love appears. And it's between the relationship between Abraham and Isaac. Now, I'm not saying they didn't, all the other people didn't love each other, but it's just that it wasn't uniquely brought out as a characteristic here of surpassing all relationships, which it does here. And God knew that Abraham had this special love for Isaac, so he calls it out. And he says, Abraham, I'm talking about the one whom you love, that Isaac whom you love. And for Abraham, Isaac was the love of his heart. It was the dearest that he had on earth. And he's calling him now to sacrifice the love of his heart, to sacrifice the dearest that he has. Could you do that? Could you do that if God called you to that? I'm I'm not even going to answer it for myself. But that's what God was calling Abraham for. Wrapped up in, in Isaac was all that Abraham held dear on earth. For Abraham, Isaac was not just Isaac, but Isaac was as God described, described him. Isaac, whom thou lovest. He was the object of his, all of his love on earth, Isaac was. And Abraham, Abraham it's, it's hard for us even to understand this love that, I, that Abraham had for Isaac. It's all is, is wrapped up, his whole life is wrapped up in Isaac. For he's the love of his heart, Isaac is. And everything that Abraham desires on earth is wrapped up in Isaac. And he's the desire. Isaac is the desire of Abraham's life. He wants to give him everything. He wants to do everything for him. He wants to teach him everything. Why? Because he loves him. And so you could say now, Abraham, as far as your possessions you go, he says, all my possessions wrapped up in Isaac. It's all, he's the the greatest possession of my life here. And so when God was calling Abraham, to sacrifice Isaac. God was calling Abraham to really, in order for him to do this, Abraham had to sort of experience a type of death and a type of resurrection. By calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, God was calling Isaac, says, Isaac, it's, it's Abraham, Abraham, I know in order for you to do this, what I'm calling to, you have to die. You have to die to your love of, uh, for Isaac. And, and then you have to be resurrected to a singular love for me, in me, God, in God alone. This is what has to go on inside of Abraham as he deals with this. You know, Abraham, we have seen so far, is a very pensive person. He's a person who, who, who considers in his heart. He's, a, he's, not a, he's not a fly off the handle type of person. He's a, he's a type of person that walks away and thinks about that. And he was thinking about that. And we're trying to get into the mind of Abraham. We're trying to understand what was he thinking? 
when God has called them to sacrifice Isaac, and God is call, calling Abraham, he's going to sacrifice Isaac, and he's, he's really saying, and so Abraham is thinking to himself, if I'm going to do this, I have to die to my own desires. Abraham had to die to the love of his life. Abraham had to be resurrected to a singular love in God. Abraham had to die to his desires here on, on earth, and he had to be resurrected to a singular desire in God. And so, but this is all what's going on inside of Abraham's mind. And so when Abraham is called to sacrifice Isaac, God is calling Abraham to die to what not only he holds dear, but what he sees as his, so to speak, his possessions here in, in, on, on earth, and be resurrected to a singular possession in God alone. Now, so this is the test that's referred to in verse 1. It was a test for Abraham. It was a test. The test of verse 1 was this question. Abraham, are you really willing to die to all your love on earth in order to live by loving God alone? As Moses expressed this word, this, this, this concept, this all, this all concept is what Moses really capitalized on in the Shema. You know, the Shema is not just the first part, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. There's another part, and that's the next verse. Well, you hear, O Israel, what are you supposed to hear? It's verse 5. And verse 5 is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. See, that's the test of verse 1 for Abraham. Abraham, are you really willing to die to all your desires on earth in order to live by desiring all with all your heart God alone? And David expressed this. He capitalized on this word all too. David did in 2 Samuel 23, verses, verse 5, when he said, all my salvation and all my desire was in the Lord. And, and, and this, is, this is it. When the Lord was there at the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and, he, and, he, and he's going through, he's thinking through, just like Abraham is thinking through, I'm going to sacrifice Isaac. How am I going to do that? And the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to say, I'm going to sacrifice myself. How am I going to do that? And Abraham has to say, I have to die to my own will. And the Lord Jesus Christ says in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, he says, saying, Father, if thou, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So the test of verse, what he's saying there is he's dying to his own will. The Lord Jesus Christ is dying to his own will in the Garden of Gethsemane in order to sacrifice himself. And that's the test of verse 1. Was Abraham really willing to, do, to die? Was he really willing to die to all that he felt had dear hair on earth in order to live by seeing that he had only one possession? That's God alone. And, you know, this took faith, faith. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on the Friendship with God radio program in just a moment. But if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching here on Friendship with God as you're driving, listening at home, or downloading and listening to messages on the go, you're growing in the knowledge of God and your walk with God, and we want to encourage you to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program so we can continue airing on your station in your city. If you're enjoying these messages and enjoying the teaching of the Old Testament from Tom Cantor, please become a monthly contributor and supporter of this Bible teaching radio program. Your monthly support can be a donation of any amount. So call us now or after the program to be a Friendship with God supporter 
at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do so online at friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, call us at 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor. So here's another acronym for you, FAITH, F-I-T-H, F, forsaking, A, all, I, I, T, take, H, him. This is really what what Abraham is being called to. Abraham, do you have faith? Are you willing to forsake all so that you can take him? Forsaking all, I take him. So the test in verse 1 is really a question about Abraham, are you willing to forsake in order to take Jehovah Jesus? Is that what you're willing to do? So, so, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said you had to do in, in, in Luke 14, 33, what he said, likewise, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all, there's that word again, who forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So Abraham, willing to forsake all, which was all bound up in Isaac, that he had, he could be a disciple of, of Jehovah Jesus. And, 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 and we have to ask the question. You know, we read these things about Abraham, but really the application go back to us. We say, well, if we were in Abraham's shoes, what would we do? What would we do if we were called to this? It's, like, it's really a question when, God, when you pick up the hymnal and say, okay, now turn to this hymn, and God asks you to sing some of these hymns. Do you really mean it? All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransom powers. All my thoughts and words and doings, all my days, all my hours, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. And God says, is that true? Is that really true? Are you really singing that? Or do you really mean that? So when God used this double emphasis, especially there, that only one of yours, God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I know what you're thinking when you look at Isaac. When you look at Isaac, you see yourself. You see yourself you see the continuation of yourself. It's what the scripture calls the declaration of his generation. So Abraham, you're going to declare that you are here in your generation through Isaac, through Isaac. And so he sees, so Abraham looks at Isaac and he sees the declaration of his generation. He sees, he sees, he sees his life in Isaac. And so Abraham thought, boy, when he dies, I die. My declaration dies, I die. And Abraham's old at this point. And he knew that he was going to leave this world sooner than later, and he probably thought more sooner than later. And so it's very important for Abraham. He has a son. Finally, he has a son. He has the right son. He had another son, but anyway. He has the right son, and it's very important for him that Isaac live. He's going to declare his generation. And so Abraham's thought, I live in Isaac. I live through Isaac. If Isaac dies, I die. And God knew that. God knew that Abraham was thinking that. And so when, so when God was asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, God is asking Abraham, are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to die in Isaac? Because Abraham saw himself in Isaac. So in this progression, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, offer him. We see a progression here of Abraham being called by God to die to himself. It's a progression, really it's a process here of dying to himself. So how could he be willing to go through this massive death, uh, Abraham? 
And Abraham could be willing because Abraham knew, as we know, Abraham knew that he had a sinful self. He knew that. And, and, and Paul knew that. And Paul expressed that in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's why Paul went on further to call our Christian, or, or, to call our old sinful self an old man. An old man that's got to die. And, and, and he views himself, as Paul looks at himself, he says, you know, he says, I view myself as, as crucified with Christ, as he said in Galatians 2.20. But he also put it this way in Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. He died. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's why Paul said that those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are, who are his, have this central characteristic. There's a central characteristic, and, and they see themselves as having their flesh crucified with the affections and its lusts. As he said in Galatians 5.24, that they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affection and the lusts. And so Paul then, he sets forth himself as an example. He says, now look at me, everybody, Paul says, as Christians, and follow, follow me. Because when I look at the world, you know, Paul did, there wasn't Las Vegas when Paul did, but let's say it was, you know. So he's looking at the world as Las Vegas, you know, the epitome of the world was self-satisfying pleasures, all right? It's Las Vegas. And so he looks, he looks at that, and he looks at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sees the world, and he sees all the glitter, and he sees the crucified Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, now I'm enabled to write across the world in my life, crucified, crucified. And so he says in Galatians 6, 14, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. It has no attraction for me. I don't respond to it because it's dead. I'm not attracted to a dead person. I don't respond to a dead person. Dude, there's something wrong with you. But, but, and, and so God said to Abraham in verse 2, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him. It's a process there, the crucifying process for Abraham. And that's what God wants to do for us. That's what God did for him. That's what he wants to do with us. It's our love of self. It's our love of self that gets us into trouble. It's our, it's our love of our sinful desires that gets us into trouble. You know, we say, sin? Oh, I hate sin. I want to turn away from it. But on the other hand, I kind of rather like the way it feels. Well, we've had another great lesson here on the Friendship with God radio program today with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher from Genesis chapter 22, teaching us about the word love and how its first use was with that of Abraham and Isaac and that special love relationship that they had that surpassed all other relationships. Now, if you love the Friendship with God radio program and our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, we want to encourage you to support this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program. And you can do so by going online to donate at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can donate right online, or we can take your donation to support the Friendship with God radio program right over the phone. Now, remember, if you have a donation of $20 or more this month, Tom Cantor has two great resources for you. 
because Tom Cantor is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, and CEO. He's also the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. It's the original Creation Museum and the first of its kind. And Tom Cantor owns and operates that. And as a resource of the month, Tom Cantor is offering a DVD tour of the Creation Museum that features and goes over the doctrine of the six days of the Genesis creation, as well as the seventh when God rested. And we're also including, as a bonus, a great book on the Ice Age and the Flood that asks the question, does science really show millions of years? It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science explain the Ice Age. And these two resources will help you take a journey back through time to the Ice Age and also creation and its beginnings. It's yours, these two resources, for a donation of $20 or more, which helps to support the Friendship with God radio program and Tom Cantor staying on the air teaching you Monday through Friday. Now call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Click on Resources. There you'll find Tom Cantor's materials for purchase and sale, as well as some that are free resources, all at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up while you're there for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It'll come to your email or to your cell phone, however you set it up. And also, you can receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse just by searching for Tom Cantor, Israel Restoration Ministries, or Friendship with God on Facebook. And there you'll receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. You can also find all of Tom Cantor's messages available for free by going to friendshipwithgod.org or searching for the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes.com. For more information about us or to donate and support this ministry, call us 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.